This episode of the Best Seats Podcast is brought to you by, well, you. To learn how you can support the show, go to thebestseats.com slash Patreon. Once there, you'll learn how you can get early access to shows, ad-free listening, the ability to submit questions, comments, concerns, and more. Once again, that's thebestseats.com slash Patreon. But enough of that. On to the show. Hello, and welcome to the first ever episode 25, man, 25 episodes already of the Best Seats Podcast, the only podcast bringing you the best interviews with some of the most talented folks in the Southern California hospitality industry and beyond each and every episode. I'm your host, Groff McCarthy, founder of The Best Seats. Thank you, as always, to Allie Coyle for providing the music for the show. You can find her work at AllieCoyleMusic.com or check out, if you're in the Orange County area, any of her family's three restaurants, Wine Works for Everyone, Dublin 4 Gastropub, or Fable and Spirit. Huge, 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 big episode ahead. But first, as a reminder, if you enjoy the show, be sure to leave a rating or review wherever you're listening to it. It helps other folks find it as well. And Lord knows that only helps these chefs stay in business during these dire times. And speaking of chefs, we have a hell of a chef for episode 25. Somebody I'm a huge fan of. Uh, this is kind of special to me. It is Chef Amy Lebrun of Lido Bottle Works out on the Balboa Peninsula in Newport Beach, California. Uh, having her on for the 25th episode, first of all, awesome to hit 25 episodes. And thank you to everybody who's stuck around ever since the very first episodes when... I was trying to record them when I was live streaming, doing video, and it was just this whole, it really made me realize why it takes 19 people in a van to make one college football game happen on top of all the cameramen and everything else because the logistics of running your own show is just insane. Those first couple episodes, while they were fantastic, and my very first guest, Joe Cook, is just a doll, they were definitely a little rough. So thank you for sticking with it for 25 episodes. If this is your first time, welcome. If this is your 25th time, God, I hope it's better. I think it is. Uh, but getting Chef Amy LeBron on for this episode is really special. Uh, before the whole pandemic broke out, she was actually the last person that I wrote a profile piece about. It was the last piece that I wrote for a magazine um, back when those were still a thing. Um, and it was a piece that I did for Saute Magazine here in Orange County. Um, it was a digital feature just kind of about her, her philosophy. Um, I'd been into the restaurant and you know tasted one of the new menus uh, and she just has this calm, cool, collected, visceral force, kind of like a hurricane before it really unleashes itself. She's just precise and talented and just incredibly, incredibly passionate. Um, and she really has this infectious, borderline intimidating energy when you eat her food. And the thing that I love about Little Bottle Works, if you've ever been, is it's not a big place, as you're going to hear about in the interview. It's very small. It's intimate, but there's not a lot going on design-wise, and I mean that in a good way. The lights, when they hang over the tables and on the bar, not that you can sit in them right now at the time of this recording, California still has no dine and eating, um, but the restaurant is almost purpose-built to put the focus on the food, and that's something really, really special, I think, and she's special. Um, I think she's a hell of a chef. I think she's underrated, even with all of her accolades and everything that she's garnished. She has worked alongside, as you're going to hear, some really, really talented people, 
some incredibly influential chefs in the area and her name should be included with them, I believe, every single time. Um, she's wildly talented, very well-spoken, well-read, well-traveled, just all around exactly the type of person that you want preparing your food. So I hope that you enjoy this one. I don't want to talk much longer. I want to jump right into it. And I hope you enjoy the 25th episode of the Best Seats Podcast featuring chef of Lidl Bottle Works, Amy LeBron. So, Chef, I'm, I'm super excited to get you on the show. I'm a huge fan of what you do in the restaurant and everything that we're going to dive into. Uh, but for those that may not be familiar with you or Lidl Bottle Works, would you mind just kind of quickly introducing yourself and giving a little bit of your background? Sure. Um, my name is Amy LeBrun. I've been in this culinary culture field in Orange County for quite some time. Um, born in May and always have worked along the coast. Started off at the Ritz Carlton in Dana Point. Was there for eight years, my brief stint. And then I left there, went to Pelican Hill Resort, uh, Newport Coast as well. So I was like, haven't really gone too far, but very familiar with the area and like people's needs. So, and the cuisine around here. So from there, kind of walked around a couple places and uh, landed up, landed in uh, Lido Butterworks. Newport Beach. So you make it sound like such an easy trek to kind of climb right up the coast. But I mean, looking at your background, obviously the Ritz and Pelican Hill are so widely established and anybody that's familiar with Lido Bottle Works kind of before we dive into that should know the kind of talent that you're bringing. But it's definitely not an understatement to say that you came up alongside some of Orange County's heaviest hitters. I mean, being with the team that you were kind of at Ritz and everything with Pelican, can you kind of describe some of those people that you worked with? Because I'm sure people listening are going to immediately recognize some of those names and kind of what that was like on your career. Yeah. Um, well, definitely to this day, one of my mentors, Ian, um, we worked to, together for eight years and it was... Um, I look back at it now and I was, uh, he's amazing. And I just remember fearing him so greatly because he was, I thought what I thought was intimidating, but at the same token, I was like a difficult cook too. You know, I was young and, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, had, had an attitude. I was very hungry for, for the industry. So it's, it's a two way street. So where I thought he was this monster, it's, it, it was in my head. look back at it so I worked with him um, and still maintain a pretty decent relationship with him and then I worked with Chef Yvonne from Mm -hmm. the winery Uh, he he was an inspiration it was interesting one of my goals working at the Ritz Carlton was to work at um, the fine dining establishment they had called the dining room and it took me just five years to get my foot in the door into that restaurant. Wow. So, yeah. And it took about four years for the executive chef to say hello to me. So, <laughs> yeah, it, it was, uh, it's, it's been an interesting journey. <laughs> well, obviously, it, for those listening, Dwayne has been unbelievable what he's doing up with OC Baking Company. And anybody who's kind of familiar with Break of Dawn Restaurant should know just kind of how wildly talented he could be. And then obviously, Yvonne Getz and everyone who's kind of been involved with those teams. So you definitely did not surround yourself with kind of subtle people to begin with. Can you talk about Lidl Bottle Works and kind of how you found yourself there? Yeah, it was 
thanks to D, I went to, I was started doing some pop-ups with him almost like three years ago. And I'd just be like, first of all, I was like, hey, can I, can I come eat and experience this, this dinner? And he was like, nope. I was like, wait, what do you mean? What do, what do you mean, chef? Like, he's all, no, but you can work. You can, you can work with me. And I was like, ah, okay, I already did that. But yeah, sure, absolutely. So I jumped in with him, started doing pop-ups. And it just kind of like, like fractured my brain in a good way because it was just, it was so motivating to me, you know, it was just like, it's like the Jedi master, you know, it, 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 with what he does. So, um, he's the one that got me in the door with Lita Bottle Works. So if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be there. So thanks chef. <laughs> Appreciate it. <laughs> so obviously so, you're, you're helming it now and running it and that's your kitchen. Yeah. How, how many years have you been kind of running the line and everything else? Uh, since day one. So it's been a little over three years. And obviously we'll just jump right into the first elephant in the room. So three years, a lot of well-deserved accolades. Um, what's the past six months kind of been like? Hmm. Well, I just remember like St. Patrick's Day is like a free-for-all at, at the restaurant. It was like one of our last days before um, lockdown and, and takeout pivot. Um, so it, it, it was, it was just, um, a lot of unknowns and it was a, a survival mode mm-hmm. per se. And I just felt like for like a month, like the circus song was playing over and over in my head. <laughs> like I was just like looking at my sous chef, like, do you hear it? Do you hear it? <laughs> yeah, I do. Okay. All right. Well, what are we going to do today? Um, we're going to take all of our menu and try and make it into family meals and all, all this stuff get created. Hey, we're making cheesecake now. Cool. Put that out. All right. That's going, let's make cookies. All right. Now we're a bakery. Are we, you know, it was, it was interesting. So it was a bunch of survival. So I'm, and I don't know how, because it was just my sous chef, Joel Gutierrez, which is amazing by the way. Um, him and I, that's it. It was just him and I. So we were just in this kitchen running around in circles seven days a week, looking at each other. like, are you taking out the trash tonight? Are you doing the dishes? All right, let's flip a coin. You know, cause it was, it was survival. So, um, and it seems like now in the present mm-hmm. that that's so far away. That's so long gone. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if there's ever been, you know, St. Patrick's day, generally speaking, is not a day that most people remember, at least as a certain section of the night that most people eventually are not going to remember if you're going out and kind of celebrating it. I don't know if there's ever been a more, (laughs) a bigger St. Patrick's Day that everyone remembers. So it was kind of insane for everything to shut down. And then kind of like you said, even experiencing, you know, a pop-up back in the day with D a little bit, everybody's restaurant all of a sudden became a pop-up and everything almost kind of changed. And it was just this brand new business model that didn't, have anybody prepped so to hear that it was just you and your sue crushing it for doing the best you could for seven days a week is is really intense what was the surrounding community like because obviously kind of where little so if, if anybody doesn't know little bottle works you guys are just kind of right on the water on balboa talk kind of like the back of you're not in little marina village proper but you're in that kind of same neighborhood area just about a block from fable and spirit down the road from nobu kind of right in that corner what was it like kind of being surrounded by those other kind of 
you know, restaurants as well and kind of looking over your shoulder, seeing how, oh, hey, they're doing this. Ooh, they're doing that. You know, what was that kind of like from the community standpoint? Well, we're definitely a tight, tight knit community. So mm-hmm. we get along very well with everybody and all the managers in the area. We, we're, we communicate very well. So it's just a matter of like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Oh, we're doing full service. No, we're not doing that. Okay, well, yeah, we are. And it was just like, kind of like everybody just do what you feel comfortable doing. Mm-hmm. Don't, we weren't trying to be trendsetters, but it's just like, all right, well, is this going to work? Is it like trial and error? So um, everybody supports one another and everybody's, it, to be honest, it's, it's thriving down there right now. Good. It's, that's good to hear. I was going to ask, how have things been since the order to, well, we'll use the most recent order, the dining outside only. What have things been like since that? Well, just to put in perspective, we're a 63-seat restaurant, mm-hmm. and 11 of those seats are at the bar. We have some patio dining. And I was just like, I want every single head count outside if we can, every single one. Let's not skip a beat here. Let's focus if we can. Mm-hmm. How do we do that? You know, I got to like, past city code we got to you know communicate you know there's a there's a lot of work to be done so literally now we have every single head outside so it's like working really well for us good one of the things that i love about the restaurant is kind of the little garden that you have kind of surrounding the planters and there's plenty of people that you see kind of walk by with their coffee and their dog and i don't even know if they notice it half the time what was it kind of like being able to tend the garden and things like that during the shutdown it's, it's great therapy. I was going to say, that's got to be a bit of kind of like a release. It is. It's like every day I, we, we, we tend to it. We plant it. We harvest it. We nurse it. We, we do everything. It's like a team effort. So, uh, it was cute. Chef Yvonne from the winery came in the other night and, and I, and, and I wasn't sure if it was him through, through the text on the phone. And he says, you know, it's me. I'm sitting right next to the Roma tomatoes. And I was like, oh, I know where that is. All right. I planted that sucker. And I go out there and he's like, I just want to pluck it. I just want to eat it. I was like, no, <laughs> you can't. But it's like, um, I just love that garden. You know, we got corn growing right now. They're, or we're, they're getting to baby stage. So I'm pickling them. You know, it's inspiration. It's inspiration. And, and it teaches us patience. You know, a lot of my cooks are really into gardening as well, and I'm teaching them. So it's a, it's an overall um, learning experience for us in the garden. I love it. Where did your passion for that come from? How did you get into cooking initially before even jumping into the, the firestorm that was kind of your time at the Ritz? Well, I just love being hospitable. That's how I show my my heart. It's on a plate. It's, it's, it's giving. It's nurturing. And... Um, so, yeah, I just remember getting my Easy Bake Oven when I was like three years old and cooking everything I could that first day. And my mom's saying, no, 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 you need to save this for tomorrow. I was like, no, I need to do this right now. I need to bake this and I need to feed you. <laughs> I won't let me do this. So um, it's just, it's always been my mentality, like just being creative and just going that extra mile to make people happy through the language and culture of food. I don't know if that has ever been on display more as hard as things are right now. And as kind of 
massive a hit as the industry is taking with some really high profile restaurants kind of closing their doors permanently and same thing in the bar industry for that matter. If that feeling of kind of putting your heart on a plate and really showing your love through that type of service has ever been on display in kind of a bigger way. How's it been like to transition from that moment where you're able to kind of know that that plate is hitting a diner's table to, you know, being for, were you guys doing takeout at any point and things like that? Or was it always just kind yeah. of, hold? we did takeout for like a month and a half and that really makes his chef question their soul. Thing. Yeah. What was that <laughs> so, experience like for you when you had to switch to just kind of that takeout model? It was, it was devastating. It was devastating. It was just like, okay, like, how do I not compromise the ingredients and the quality that I strive so hard for with the resources that I have that are being taken away from me because we don't have the same resources anymore? My fish dude's not available. Mm -hmm. That delivery's not coming today. You know, like, you just, we had to get really creative, and we just had to be on our toes. It was like, so, um... Once we got out of that transition out of to go and were able to provide an experience for the guests with the confidence of having the perfect quality ingredients and all the resources back again and like reopening a restaurant because it was like full reopen. Okay. Mm-hmm. I have no staff. I got to hire everybody again. We got, we got, I got new items coming out because it's seasonal. I'm not giving people food that is out of season. I refuse. So seasonality depicts my menu and it guides me. And that's what motivates me and inspires me to make new dishes. So just having the opportunity to create that experience again, it was just like Disneyland or winning the lotto. I want to touch back on seasonality in a second, especially with so many people for better or for worse, being forced to be home cooks these days and kind of your views on that. But I want to talk about reopening the restaurant first. Did it feel like you were reopening the restaurant or was it like opening the restaurant for the first time? It was reopening. Even with all the staff fires and even with all the changes? Yeah, because we have, we had systems in place Mm -hmm. already. So that was very easy, like to to like transition into. You almost said pivot. I know. I heard you catch yourself too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like that word. (laughs) I know. You can't escape it. You can't escape Uh, it. (laughs) So, um, uh, it was, I feel a very smooth transition. It was just a different mindset, a different focus. From the business side of things, being a smaller restaurant obviously makes those razor thin margins even more razor thin. Was it better though to have a smaller place to kind of reopen it with those systems still working than to try to open some, you know, 250 seater behemoth? I think so. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. I like that. Uh, like we said, kind of before I wanted to touch on it, you're such a big fan and proponent of seasonality, which is something that I really respect. And I know that right, I want to say it was like two months before this all broke out, I interviewed you for a third party magazine and you were so adamant about how you don't even wait for the season. Sometimes if something is ready, if something blooms early, if something is coming early, then it's time to use it. Is there any kind of niceness with the way that you feel about the way I should say your passion that you have for food? looking at people who are now forced to kind of become home cooks, accepting seasonality, availability of produce, things like that. Does that make your heart a little bit happy? 
uh, yeah, I just, I'm just curious. I don't, I don't kind of, I don't have a lot of, all my friends are in the industry, so mm-hmm. I don't have that mindset of like, so what kind of tomatoes you get to do, you know, today, anti-gene, you know, how, how do they taste? You know, I, I haven't had that experience to do, you know, like to be mindful of that and other people's experiences. With everybody having to cook from home, is there any kind of newfound appreciation that you're being able to see from diners when they're able to come back into the restaurant? Yeah. Kind of understanding yeah. that these, the, okay, there we Complete go. Complete elation. Good. Fantastic. <laughs> it's like, it, it was so welcoming because there's, we have so many regulators and I'm so thankful for that. And just them coming back and just being happy to sit there and have a quick chat and, and, some of their favorite things. It was it. It was a, it was a beautiful feeling. It still is. Still That's a beautiful great. feeling. Right? I love it was like that. super super genuine. You mentioned you're working seven days a week at the time of this. We're recording this what like August 11th or something like that Tuesday. Uh, what uh, you, the restaurant is going seven days a week. Are you just doing dinner service? What's the current schedule? We are doing Monday through Sunday dinner. Um, Thursday and Friday lunch and. Saturday, Sunday brunch. Got it. Okay, so you are going full board seven days a week then. Yeah, and full service, just, you know, our menus, like, it's not, it's not muted. It's not cut in half. It's like, it's like it was before. So it's not like, all right, they only have half the things. No, it's not like that. We're like 100% focused on just getting it to where it used to be. You know, we're like on that path. Um, the biggest struggle I'm having right now is staffing. That's why I'm working so much. I understand. Yeah. Is it the fact that, is it, is it the argument like some sides of the aisle are making that people don't want to come back to work, even though the unemployment benefits at the time of this recording have currently been eliminated? Or is it just a matter of having to find people that feel safe being back in a restaurant? It's both. It's lots of things. You You have to be mindful of what people feel and, and, and decide, you know, um, we're very, very careful at work. We take great lengths to be clean and follow protocol at this time and as always, but I, I'm having the hardest time. I just, I don't, I don't have an answer. I'm not. And, you know, I reach out to a lot of the other surrounding local chefs and they're all having the same problem. So it's not like, you know, like, I just, I just wish people would want to come back to work. Um, I think right now it is easy to say that people, you know, um, that don't feel safe, but also don't want to work if they're getting paid more not to in certain circumstances. I can understand that, but I don't agree with it. If it is down to a payment number, if that's the way that someone is feeling, does it kind of speak to one of the uh, larger arguments that have been being had at least before the shutdown about kind of improving, you know, quality of life for people that do work in the hospitality industry, specifically kind of along the, you know, if you're working the line, uh, whether it's increase in pay, again, you're never going to be able to change hours because dinner service is dinner service. But a lot of those conversations were being had before the shutdown. They've obviously been on pause now, but is that something that still needs to be addressed kind of as soon as the hospitality industry can do it? I think so. I think so. Um, I'm very, very 
mindful and um, aware of people's needs in the kitchen. I treat my staff very well. Um, I give them two days off in a row. I, you know, they have like a set schedule, like mm-hmm. all the things I always wanted. You know, um, I I try really hard to strive to give them because if they're happy, they're gonna they're gonna make me happy, and the food's gonna be happy. So I'm like really adamant about that. Good taking care of my people. You need a day off. I'll work your shift for you because I need you to be happy. You know, like there's a, there's a, we're a tight knit group. I'm very grateful for the people that I do have. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is there's a whole bunch of people out there that are extremely passionate about cooking that can't stay home and not work. Yeah, They can't. They're like, I, I don't care. So the people that I have in my kitchen right now are the ones that are like, I don't even care about the money. This is what I love to do. And I'm here 110%. And I've never had that before in a kitchen. So when this all happened, they approached me. They came to me and they said, put me in coach. That's and great. I was like, all right. You know, <laughs> I just need a couple more people that share that same mentality, you know, and then we'll be, we'll be doing pretty well. But I was so that was the silver lining. I had some of these people just come out of nowhere and be like, I can't sit at home. I can't do it anymore. I That's like, great. Cool. I love Let's that. Do see, this. see, so if you're listening and you're out of work, go apply. It's good. Send in a resume. <laughs> <laughs> we'll crowdsource right from here. Come play. Get on the team. Um, from yeah. the safety aspect of things, obviously, so many different parts of this have been politicized and there's so many different parts of information out there. I'm not an epidemiologist. I, I don't know what the right answer is, but surely from the sake of running the business, what's it been like for you? You know, you mentioned that you're obviously being very safe just as you were beforehand. Obviously, restaurants are clean places. But now with all those extra measures that have to be taken, whether for effectively you know, lowering the numbers of this thing or just public perception, to look around and see there are some restaurants who are also taking it very seriously. And then there are some, and I'm not going to name names, but especially not too far away from your backyard that are definitely not taking it seriously. There's a really wide spectrum all across Orange County. Is mm-hmm. that disheartening at all? Do you just kind of put it in the back of your mind and focus on Lido? What's it like for you? I focus on Lido and I'm just aware um, to each his own. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't, I can't really, I, I couldn't really comment yeah. on that because I'm not going to those places. I'm, I'm not partaking in, in in dining in those experiences. So I haven't formed an opinion. So no, I'm just sticking straight to Lido. Fair enough. Seven days a week. Obviously, you've only got so much free time aside from having to sit down on pokey little local podcasts. What else are you doing? How are you keeping relaxing? How are you keeping sane? Um. Well, you know what's interesting. Like right now is like a really great opportunity. You know, like against all odds right now to like shine, you know, mm-hmm. like being on your show right now. I'm stoked. I'm super happy that you invited me, of course. You know, um, I'm trying to get more coverage in certain ways. I'm focusing like innately, like on making new menu items, some crazy stuff coming up, you know? So it's like I'm working a little bit harder because I want to shine brighter right now that's really Um, so but 
what I do on my free time when when there is free time I'm I'm out of here I'm I'm going camping I'm going to the beach I'm going to places that are safe and just just I love nature and mm-hmm. that that that's inspiring to me um I used to go to eat every chance I could uh different restaurants um I have certain groups of friends that I would always do I'm a very social person I mm-hmm. need to I need to talk about food like when I'm not <laughs> cooking it all the time. I just it's just it's in my veins. If I'm not speaking it, I'm eating it, you know. So um just just you know, keeping in close contact with my chef friends that are going through their own struggles too, reaching out, you know, trying try to stay positive, checking in on people, um uh just trying to be as social and a safe setting as I can, you know. Um, and just being mindful that I work with a lot of other people mm-hmm. and, uh, being safe is important. What are you some know, of the other, at- oh no, absolutely. Uh, yeah. Whatever you can do to kind of limit, I think is best. If nothing else, it just for kind of the history and point of reference, God forbid anything should happen uh, right. with, with so many friends in the industry who are some of the people that, you know, you're luckily and kind of thankful enough to call good friends. And what are some of their restaurants or places that you're a big fan of? Well, let's see. Well, there's D, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick Don, and then there, uh, I, I have a lot of LA friends. <laughs> so let's, let's shout out to LA right now. Or <laughs> uh, yeah, LA needs it right now. They, they definitely <laughs> do. There's been some sad closures recently up there, so they need all the love they can get. Well, my my home girl Sarah Kenneth, uh, she is the owner of. Anarchy Seafood. She's based out of downtown LA, and she's the, she's like a moving vendor. She was at Smorgasbord, and obviously that's closed, so she's having a rough time. So Anarchy Sea Anarchy Seafood, check it out. And then um, my buddy Wes Avila at Grilla Tacos, founding chef of that. Um, I miss my friends; they're kind of far. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Let me think. Um, Chef Bob, Paul Buchanan out of Long Beach. Uh, he's 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 awesome with his charcuterie and his catering. Uh, Pascal reached out to me not too long ago. Um, I really appreciate chefs reaching out to other chefs and just saying, "Hey, we're all in the same boat. If you need, give me a call. Give me a call." It's been a great support. That's really good. great support lately within the chef community in Orange County and extending. So yeah. It does. It seems like a lot of people have got a lot of other people's backs and it's, that's been really, really kind of beautiful to see. I want to, I I almost said pivot shit. I almost caught myself. I want (laughs) to transition, not pivot. I want to transition. I want to talk about menu design because a lot of people, and this is not a knock against them, have gone simpler with their menus, whether it's to cut down on food costs, whether it's to, you know, limit prep because they might be short staffed. A lot of people have kind of gone back again. Comfort food is insanely big right now because who doesn't want to feel comfortable during all this but you mentioned that you full-on basically blew out a new menu what was that like to build out a new menu especially when you're focused on seasonality but the uncertainty of basically just kind of how many seats you're going to be able to have and already short staff like you are it's a lot of time it's a lot of time but it's what we do at Lido you know we have these resources back when we started putting the restaurant back together, it was like getting the band back together. Mm-hmm. 
You know, this is the best band, so let's make it. Let's maintain this. You know, let's not sell our stuff short. This is who we are. This is why we are. We want people to continue to feel that way. We don't want to lose our fans. You know what I mean? Like, that's, that's the best way I could describe it. Um, so, naturally, when melons are in and certain ingredients are in, I have to use them. I mm-hmm. just, there's, I'm, we're just doing what we've always done. So, I don't, if I had to work harder in that respect, it's definitely worth it because I definitely want to showcase what my heart is still always. I won't, I won't back down in that regard. For people that are listening that may not be part of the industry, just kind of fans or avid diners, things like that. Can you talk about what it's like to bring a dish from concept to menu to the table? Mm. Apart from quite a lot of work. <laughs> Just trying to figure it out. Well, you have to make sure that your purveyors have what <laughs> what you're looking for, and it's in season. So first, it's got to be what's in season, and then you need to reach out to your purveyors, get them all together, get your resources. And here's the thing with timing: like you got to react fast mm-hmm. to to what's in season because it could be out two weeks from now, but it could be in prime in this moment. So you need, you need to change things really fast. So it's from, from your purveyor to getting it into the kitchen, playing around, um, making sure, testing all your recipes. Um, I'm a firm believer of things taste good on multiple levels because of methods and layers of flavor. So a lot of my dishes, there's like 20 components. You wouldn't be able to, you know, it's a, 10 of them might be in the dressing alone. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. so there's, there's, there's a lot. So it's like the menu development, playing around, and then getting the food all together, plating it. That could take a couple days and then, and, and countless hours and, and vision. And then, and then finally it gets to your plate. And hopefully that whole process, you know, would take mo- no longer than a week. Yeah, because that's how fast the season seasonality goes. How long do you expect the current menu to stay relevant, or is it up to the ingredients? Well, there's a few there's a few staples that we always have that are so good, and um, but then um, I'm already doing fall right now. Like I'm already wow. gonna be selling my fall menu like in two weeks. Are there any current dishes? If people are listening to this when this episode's first going to go live, that they should sprint and go get now before right the now, changes. Any personal favorites? Right. The summer melon salad with uh, squash blossoms right now is like ridiculous. It's uh, <laughs> it's kind of complicated. It's like um, like a Vietnamese nok chom uh, like vinaigrette mm-hmm. on a salad with melon. And then um, it's got like spicy and fresh um, herbs. Uh, it's, it's, it's just the whole spectrum. It's like a definitely a party in your mouth. So you got you got to come check it out. I think the, the term like globally influenced is really kind of this kind of just word that gets thrown around on menus quite a bit. But I would say that Lido's truly, truly is. But it's not. It's never felt forced. Your menus have never felt like you're trying to shock somebody it's just using flavors that you respect and know that they work together 
where did all of the influence come from? Was it just the time working at these global resorts like Pelican and stuff like that? Because you were under, I mean, at, especially at Pelican, let's talk about rather a traditional French and, you know, Paul Dublay. That's a pretty, where did this entire kind of catalog of these well, nuanced the, flavors the, come from? The inspiration for different cuisine is like, I love to travel. Every year I go mm-hmm. to a different country or countries. And then I get inspired by certain things that I try and different spices, bring them back. And then I'll just get like, I'll just like prod out on one ingredient for a month. And it'll be like almost in every dish that I have. And then one day I'll be like, whoa, it's in everything. I got (laughs) to reel it in, reel it in. But I just prod out on an ingredient and just like go crazy with it, you know, start doing different things and experimenting in science and everything. So, um, unfortunately i haven't been able to travel lately but um i love baja Mm -hmm. i go down there all the time i love the valle de guadalupe i love the wine i love the restaurants down there i love finca deckman's um i go to the food and wine festival every year in october when some of the greatest chefs in the world show up and they cook for you Mm -hmm. you get a lot of inspiration you know you gotta motivate yourself um i love spain i love italy um, so like those, those are motivating things. So I know how to cook. That's, that was hotel life, like, like French cuisine, very traditional classic, but then putting your own spin on it, like me getting out of the corporate curtain of the hotels yeah. and be able to have a freestanding restaurant is like, I, it's like an explosion happened. It was like, Whoa. I can do whatever I want. Okay. Well, it's going to be good. <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, um, so just having that creative freedom, it's, 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 it's been a blessing and having Lido bottle work support my, my vision with food has been tremendous. Yeah. To be able to have that freedom. I believe it. Definitely. So, so not being able to travel right now, obviously everybody's a little limited in those regards for obvious reasons. Have you been being able to kind of like escape in any way, books, documentaries, anything like that? Um, been camping, going to Joshua Tree, getting out there with nature. I love being outside. Mm-hmm. Love it. Um, I go to the beach probably practically every morning, take a walk. Um, uh, yeah, not, not being inspired by, um, <laughs> travel, that's for sure. <laughs> uh, and it's so funny because I've, I, as soon as something comes out documentary wise on food, I, I binge it in a second and it's gone, you know, yeah. it's like quick, like eating a box of cheese, it's, it's gone, you know? So, um, uh, yeah, I haven't been able to really think outside the box as, as far as that regard goes. Are there any chef aside from flavors and just kind of those locales that are so inspiring? Are there any chefs outside of kind of California, the Southern California area, that are big inspirations to you? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. it's such a loaded uh, question because all of a sudden no, the power, the power me rankings on, on come that out. One. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that one. <laughs> I'm drawing a blank right now. There's a million. Um, as far as mentorship goes for me, a lot of my favorite people are no longer with us. So I don't want to be negative in that respect. That's fair. That's completely fair. That's where my mind went immediately. And I was like, "Mm." okay, yeah. 
Well, so, there's too much negativity today, so we'll keep it positive. That's fair. It's, yeah. it's, it's okay to get caught off guard on some of those. It's fair to do. Again, it, it, anytime I ask what other chefs, everyone's immediate power rankings come out, and they're like, oh, man, who do I list first? I don't want to make anybody mad. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the list is always so long that people could just go on forever. So it's always but like, fun. I I was very heavily, when I was younger, influenced by Julia Child and um, mm-hmm. this thing like that fresh, French tradition. I was like, when you go to culinary school, you're taught like French traditional stuff. Yeah. Why can't we be taught like Indian traditional or Asian traditional, like in the States per se? You know what I mean? Yeah, There's, absolutely. There are so many cuisines out there and there's, you will never know everything. And it's so exciting to me that like, I don't know. I just, it, it's, I'm, I'm happy where I started and the roots that I have, but there's so many other roots to be gained. Well, I think that's, it- that's I think it's one of the reasons I appreciate your menus so much is because they're not, and not that there's anything wrong with doing, you know, kind of that classic Paul Bocuse kind of halt cuisine. I think it's beautiful. I think it's delicious. And it obviously has its place, you know, both educationally and historically speaking, but there are so many cuisines out there and there's a lot of cuisines that especially here in America, we haven't really delved into and educated yet. Um, You know, when it's 2020 and there's documentaries hitting Netflix and you're watching, you know, Padma Lakshmi say that she cannot wait for kind of Indian food to have its moment, you realize that we have not maybe come as far culinary wise and kind of educating ourselves on some of the not lesser known dishes because they're not. They're massive dishes and they're globally influenced. So I really always appreciated that you're using ingredients that push and maybe provoke and just kind of entice and excite your diners in a fun way. So I've, I've always been very, very grateful for you for that and kind of bringing that education to whether they know it or not to kind of all the people that are able to dine with you. Thank you. Any pl- big plans for the fall menu? Where are you thinking? Where are you leaning? Just, I, I, I want to go a little bit more pasta forward. Mm-hmm. Um, we make all of our pasta every day uh, from scratch anyways but i want to do a little bit a couple more um people love our pasta so i want to go a, a couple more dishes in that regard just a couple different flavor profiles um that and then um i want i want to put some more new proteins on there we've been kind of rolling with the same ones lately so different different base dishes but and and uh it's complicated (laughs) um definitely waiting like as much as i love summer ingredients i'm just as excited for the fall Mm -hmm. ingredients so um yeah i'm just gonna stay pasta forward at this time chefs by nature sort of have an obsessive personality to some degrees and it can be due to the obviously kind of controlling the the kitchen and making sure everything kind of works the right way plating things ticket times etc there's so many things that are done in-house out of my only assumption is talking to you and knowing you is everything you do in-house like making the pasta is out of love because you want that ingredient to be as good as it can be but that can be time intensive it can be labor intensive there's companies that could make pastas pre-made that may not be terrible even though they'll never be up to the level that you would like but that would make things a little easier maybe only require hiring you know two staff members instead of three or whatever the thing may be should restaurants make it easier on themselves a little bit i mean should 
things go a little bit easier to try and help out? Or is it that kind of that never ending drive for kind of the perfect bite and perfect dish always going to be kind of driving force in the kitchen? That's always going to drive me. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I would, I don't want it any other way. I don't know how to do that. I don't want to do that. I have no disrespect for people that have that kind of establishment. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just not for me. It's not for little bottle works. We're, we're very prideful about how like we make almost everything in house. Um, even if that were to give you six days at work instead of a full seven. I give you that one day off. I I wouldn't sleep. (laughs) That's fair. That's a very, that's a fair fair point. And to be honest, that answer has pretty much been universal to the people I've asked it to, even not on podcast episodes. It's, it's just (laughs) within the nature to derive quality, even if it leads to a potential insanity. (laughs) And I I love it. It, (laughs) I think it baffles everyday diners. I think it baffles people who don't understand the industry, but again, you can just, you can hear the commitment in your voice that that's not changing. No. <laughs> well, chef, what is the, what does the future hold? I mean, for you in the next, you know, six months, there's so much kind of uncertainty. There's no real answers or concrete kind of timeline for this whole, you know, right. gl- global pandemic. What does the future look like for you? Or are you just thinking about the next service? We are just thinking about the next service. We are very focused, you know, like I have to stay focused. If mm-hmm. I start going off into this, uh, uh, a political tangent or COVID meltdown or something like, I just can't, I mm-hmm. can't. It's, I have, I'm very focused on the food that's in the energy on the food and my staff and making sure, you know, operations are running smooth and that, that's all I can do. That's, that's all I want to do at this time. Um, I'm hoping for a, a great, like a continued amazing season that we're having right now. And I'm, and I'm hopeful for the future. Um, yeah, that's, that's where my mind's at. Well, I think that's pretty much all anybody can do these days. Well, I, well, I think it's important to stay involved, but stay healthy and just do what you can. And especially in a industry that's trying to survive so much, just do it, just survive, whatever that means. Just make sure that you can reopen those doors, whatever, whatever, normal kind of is after all this. Yeah. We're, I, I consider myself pretty lucky at this time. You know, I, I just can't read too far in the future cause there are no answers. Mm-hmm. There's, there's, there's no way to go. Well, at least the so, weather's nice. So could be a lot worse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> that's, that's, that's a good thing for all the patio diners right now. Good weather. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Chef, I don't want to take up too much more of your time, especially seeing as there's no current days off. I want to give you at least some time off before you have to prep and do everything else for the next service. Uh, if people wanted to find you online, social media, reach out to you in the restaurant, where can they do that? Um, you can find me on Instagram, uh, Chef Amy Lebrun, uh, Lido Bottle Works, uh, LidoBottleWorks.com. Uh, you can order online. You can do to-go come on in uh, full dinner service. Uh, yeah, Those, that would be the best way. Yeah, I could tell that, well, full dinner service would definitely be the best way, giving the kind of lament about your personal feelings towards takeout, as important as it is though. But yeah, <laughs> if you don't feel safe, do takeout. But if you do feel safe, do dinner service. <laughs> 
We we offer both, which is great. <laughs> you don't because, have to like both, but that's fair. No. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, chef, thank you so, so much for the time. Uh, I can't tell you how nice it was to take a little bit of time and have you on. I, I adore your food. I really love Lido and I, I love kind of the whole ethos and everything behind what you do. Thank you, Crawford. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Alrighty, I will let you go. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day, and I will hopefully talk to you soon. Okay, thank you. All right, take care. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you, thank you, thank you to Chef LeBron for taking the time for this. Um, I'll be completely candid. I was told right before this by my friend who does their public relations uh, that this was her first podcast, so she was nervous, and I'm so thankful that for somebody who crushes it on the line to be nervous about a little podcast like this um, really made my heart uh, swell and, and kind of feel like I'm doing something good by hopefully introducing her work to other people. And I really hope that you will check out Lidl Bottle Works. I think it's a really special restaurant. I think that her work is work that needs to be celebrated and appreciated. Her food should be eaten and loved and adored the same way that she does. And I just hope you enjoyed the interview. Uh, Thank you so, so much to Chef for taking the time, for coming on, uh, for sitting down and just really, really sharing your passion with the world um, to hit 25 episodes and to have the 25th episode be somebody who is just so damn passionate about what they do is really special. And it's the entire reason that I wanted to launch this damn podcast in the first place. So it's grown a lot since 25 episodes. Obviously, those first couple trying to live stream them and record them and they were great episodes with Rob Wilson and other people like that. And I hope you'll go back and give them a listen as rough as they are and as much as the format even has changed a little bit since then. Um, but again, please leave those reviews. You can find her. Um, a reminder, at the end of the show, everybody obviously says what their social media handles are. Uh, we don't always spell them out. You can find the links to those in the show notes. So be sure to click through if you want to follow anybody on Instagram or check out the websites to the restaurants and give them a look-see. Uh, and as always, you can follow me at The Best Seats. That is C-E-A-T-S for seats. But enough of that. I hope you enjoy whatever you're doing today. And I will see you very soon. The Best Seats Podcast is an original production of The Best Seats. It is written, edited, produced, and owned by myself, Crawford McCarthy, founder and owner of The Best Seats. It is recorded in Aliso Viejo, California. It is subsidized through generous donations through patreon.com slash the best seats. The following are names that are subscribed at the highest tier, aka norm status, and thus allow me to produce the show each and every episode. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Here are the supporters. Alex Cook, Katie Cassie, Eric Lowe.